Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Kathleen Archambault, a journalist, corporate trainer, and author. Kathleen's most recent book is Pride and Joy, LGBTQ Artists, Icons, and Everyday Heroes. It's an inspirational book for anyone at any time, and yet it's particularly timely today for this week as we anticipate Transgender Awareness Week. And it's a time to both become more informed and to practice being open, compassionate, understanding. And meeting the personalities in this book, I believe, will certainly help us. So let's meet the author and learn how. Good morning, Kathleen Archambault. It's so wonderful to have this opportunity to connect and really speak to you firsthand. Good morning to you, Kate. How are things in Seattle? Well, other than dark and uh, rather rainy of late, other than that, I think life is great. What about San Francisco? Well, we are still enjoying our Indian summer, which is like your summer. It's quite sunny and warm and crisp and beautiful. One thing I have to say about San Francisco that stunned me when I first visited there, at that time I was living in Hawaii, coming to San Francisco during July, prepared for a wonderful summer, and was I shocked I had to go look for what I thought was actually winter clothing. Stunning. how (laughs) I think it was Mark Twain who said that the coldest summer he ever spent was in San Francisco. (laughs) Well, I can totally relate to that. So right on track. But we're not here really to talk about weather, but much more interesting and exciting things. And that is about one of your books, Pride and Joy, LGBTQ Artists, Icons and Everyday Heroes. What an amazing book filled with such amazing people, which should kind of give us a clue as to why you would write this because of these interesting people, but really, what was it that was your impetus, Kathleen? I think, Kate, that when I was growing up, being LGBTQ wasn't even on the radar screen. And so I came out very late in life, in my 30s, as opposed to today's teenagers coming out. And I wanted to be inspired myself. And I wanted to share with the world that LGBTQ people are not one-dimensional. They're not stereotypical. They live fulfilling, happy lives, as well as contributing to the greater good. So I selected people, 30 people, to interview based on that criteria. And I was fortunate to get some amazing people like Tony Award-winning playwright Tony Kushner, like inaugural poet Richard Blanco, like award-winning screenwriter and writer Emma Donahue and Colin Toybean, among others. And as you compiled what is or ended up with the interviews with these 30 amazing people. Did they come to you or how did you determine that they were the ones? Well, I had a criteria in my mind that I wanted people who were out, who were proud of being LGBTQ and who were successful in their respective fields 
and happy in their lives. I didn't want the stereotypical old image in film of queer people being crazy or murderous or lonely or suicidal. Which sadly is the history. And hopefully we're seeing that turn, although sadly that isn't the 100% the case. Maybe it will never be 100% humans just being human-like, correct? Well, unfortunately, Kate, for many people, it's still the case. 92% of high school kids have heard negative comments about being gay, whether it's from their school or their teachers or their parents or their ministers. So that is a very recent study, and that's a very high number. And is that number from the U.S.? Yes. So here we are, where at least in, I would say, a good portion of the country, we are thinking we're more progressive, we're much more open and accepting, and yet this is a huge, that's an extremely high percentage. Yes, yes. And so I think that we're lulled into feeling just like we were with Barack Obama as president. We were lulled into thinking the race issue in the United States was dead. It isn't. We are lulled by luminaries like Ellen DeGeneres on television into thinking that everyone is accepting of their queer daughters, sons, students, fellow church members, and it's just simply not true. And thus comes along this great book, Pride and Joy, LGBTQ Artists, Icons, and Everyday Heroes, to then open up these doors to give support to those individuals who are not getting the support in their own community to perhaps grab onto that vision and know that there's hope. That's exactly right. And I wanted to show enough of a range of people from a sports executive to a ballroom dance teacher in Harlem to a battalion chief in Los Angeles and a firefighter in London to a software engineer from Russia to gay dads from the Midwest. I wanted to show a range so that people could realize both LGBTQ folks and our straight allies and teachers and parents and ministers that there is not only hope, but there's an avenue for anyone to fulfill and realize their full potential. And the feedback that you have been getting over time Has it been that, yes, you are touching the right kind of chord within us? I believe so. I mean, I can only uh, talk anecdotally about the experiences I've had speaking at churches, speaking to diversity groups, speaking to youth at diversity centers, speaking to college students, and speaking to adults in the South and the Northeast on the West Coast, and I would say to a person, 
they have found something in the book that resonated with them. And that's the beauty of this. There are 30 stories, and at any given point, someone can open the book, a reader can look for a person that looks interesting or inspiring to them, and they can read that story out of context. They don't have to read in chronological order. Yes, that certainly is the beauty of this book, this kind of book where we can jump in at any point just because uh, sometimes it's intimidating. We feel that we don't have the time to read cover to cover. Here, it's like these really in-depth essays and really capture a story within just a a few number of pages. And that's the idea, really, to convey a story of transformation, a story that emboldens the reader, and a story that enlightens the straight ally who might not fully realize the depth and the complexity of LGBTQ people, just like all people. So these are such encouraging and I'm going to say diverse stories because of being around the world and being of of so many different kinds of professions, uh, not just the arts, which might we might sometimes want to be stereotypical about, but just such a great cross-section of people. And so they're all wonderful. However, you know, in this wonderment, Kathleen, does anyone kind of stand out that you would want to profile and say, read this because you're going to meet this wonderful individual? Well, I think in today's world, the last frontier of the LGBTQ community are the transgender and gender nonconforming individuals. And so, particularly among young people, young people are not wanting to identify themselves as one gender or the other, and many young people are considering surgery and transformation at younger and younger ages than historically true. So, for anyone questioning their gender identity, I would encourage them to read the story of Sean Dorsey, who is the first openly transgender choreographer to appear just recently on the cover of Dance Magazine. He is an amazing, originally from Canada, choreographer who has brought to light and brought to the stage many of the issues that face people who are in that position of wanting to transform their own gender identity or really to align themselves with what they believe has always been their gender identity. And yes, that is uh, such a beautiful story. And and Sean lives in the Bay Area, so potentially the two of you cross paths uh, with some frequency or perhaps not. Well, Sean is in San Francisco, and I had the honor of doing a reading at the Opera Plaza in San Francisco with Sean, and he was just fantastic. And I have to say that there were some what I would term rude questions from the audience, 
And he answered them with grace and diplomacy and really presented a positive image that anyone could swallow. Isn't that just beyond words to think about being so kind and being able to transcend uh, people throwing barbs, throwing hatred, I guess, uh, such a model of wonderful humanity. And that's a good way to put it, Kate, because his humanity comes through in his choreography, which is more than just choreography. It's also narration. It's also music. And he aims to tell a story of all of our humanity. And that's why his audiences to his productions are so diverse. Everything from old, straight, old, white, suburban couples to young, gender non-conforming, tattoo-wearing, earrings in their nose, young people. And taking all that together, we can, uh, or at least I look at this and I think, well, there's that hope about us being able to come together for something that we all believe in. It doesn't matter what we look like, how we live, but we find humanity between us, joining us together. Well, yes, and I think that's perfectly illustrated with the first openly lesbian bishop of the United Methodist Church, Bishop Karen Oliveto. And I think that she in particular articulates in the book what is important for all people, which is never forget that you are loved just as you are by a God who will never let you go. (laughs) That is really beautiful. If we could only all embrace such words, at least most of the time, so that we could show that love and compassion uh, to each other rather than uh, some of the negative actions that we've seen. Well, and I think it's every person's journey to become authentically themselves. And I think that's why Matt Rosswood and Eric Rosswood who have adopted now two children. At the time of the book, there was one son they had adopted. Now they've adopted a little girl. So they have a son who's five and a little girl who's about one. And what he said was he worked for a law firm that would completely accept him being openly gay in the law firm and being a father in the law firm, because he wanted to be his authentic self. He wanted to bring his whole self to the job. And that's really every single person's journey in life, which is to become fully, authentically who they are. And I think you kind of get this started in your book when you quote Oscar Wilde. Yes, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. So the, those together seem to really direct us to that. And isn't it then just amazing that 
if we focus on that, why we would be threatened by anyone else being authentically themselves. We're not here to be imitations of each other. That's a human dilemma, Kate. I don't really have the answer to that, but what I do believe is that the more authentic you yourself become, the less threatened you are by others being their selves, their authentic selves. Well, that is then something certainly to to ponder. And we have that opportunity, of course, in our life every day. We have these opportunities to um, experience each other, to to build understanding, to build uh, knowledge, to ask questions. Maybe, you know, by reading these stories, we we might want to venture forth and invite someone uh, that we work with or that we meet at the the bus stop, train station each day uh, out for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. That's, That's a wonderful ideal. And certainly for those of us who live in cities, we're rubbing shoulders with people of all ilks in our daily commutes to work, uh, particularly if we take public transit. So that's why I want everyone to read Pride and Joy, LGBTQ artists, icons, and everyday heroes, because I think it's a book of stories that will uplift you whether or not you're LGBTQ. I had a 79-year-old Irish mother say to me, who was straight and married 55 years, say to me that she found the book inspiring. She felt that she needed to do more acting and more writing as some of the people in the book had done in order to fulfill her authentic self. So I think this is a book, Pride and Joy, LGBTQ, Artists, Icons, and Everyday Heroes, for everyone. And isn't that exciting that she, at her age, in her 70s, would have that realization? That means never give up. Our life, as long as we're breathing, is all about still having an opportunity to become more of who we are supposed to be. I think that's a a terrific ideal and certainly one that I would like to continue to follow as I go along in life. And, of course, your journey has really been your... um, your talent as a writer, as a journalist. So you are fulfilling that. But um, you, of course, had your earlier book, Climbing the Corporate Ladder in High Heels. And so was that a, a different career or was writing still part of that? Well, I was fortunate in my corporate career to have always touched writing as part of that career. I was a writing manager for a high-tech company. I was a marketing communications director at another high-tech company. I was a business developer, a sales executive. So I was very lucky that in my corporate career, I always had a creative aspect to what I was doing. 
So, yes, uh, climbing the corporate ladder in high heels is a reflection of my corporate career, and it really has a different spin than most of the books out there. It is not a lean-in book. It says the last chapter is, when you hit the glass ceiling, move to another room. Because that book is for women who want to have a successful corporate career and a happy life. So that one definitely sounds like a very exciting, a a different type of book, of course, but certainly something to keep in the back of our minds as one that is going to be a great uh, help, a great tool along our path. Right. It was more of a how-to book and a tool book. And Nancy Pelosi endorsed it, and Leslie Blodgett, who was the CEO and chair of the board of Bear Essentials, endorsed it. It was featured in Forbes several times, and it was the kind of book that corporations who had diversity programs adopted. So Hewlett-Packard brought me in, Bank of America brought me in, Visa International brought me in. Uh, State Farm Insurance brought me in to speak to the women and to the diversity forums at their various companies. So you have been leading such an exciting, uh, amazing life again uh, as a role model uh, in so many different ways, showing what is possible. And, you know, of course, with the earlier book, uh, using that as a how-to. But in a way, too, pride and joy can be considered that way because the stories, we can find any story and and really feel uplifted or feel uh, challenged or perhaps supported in moving forward in our life. I think that you can find that you have to dig a little deeper because it's not a one, two, three. It's more of an encapsulating complex story of each of the various people featured in the book. But at the end of every chapter, I've asked every one of these LGBTQ artists, icons, and everyday heroes to Tell us what their best advice would be. And I think that reading that advice can be helpful to everyone. Yes, absolutely everyone, not, you know, honing in on any specific, if we want to call it, like, category. It's it's for each of us. And again, I think it brings us back to this uh, center point of we are all just human beings, uh, trying to learn how to be human and kind to each other on this journey. Right, and I think that the more open you are as a human being to the rainbow of possibilities in people, that then the more fulfilling and more exciting and more interesting you become and your life becomes. And potentially how much more peaceful we might therefore feel and and bring that into our home, into our community, and, and, and see that kind of change evolving in the community. Yes, I, it does start with us, doesn't it? 
I I think so. It's not waiting for someone else to make that kind of change. And, you know, going back to that early statistic that you were sharing with us, Kathleen, of, of how there are still so many challenges for young people uh, who are challenged by coming out because of the kinds of, of violence and discrimination that exists. We need to do this, don't we? Yes, and I think that's why California, Illinois, and New Jersey are the first states to adopt in the education code that there has to be an inclusion of LGBTQ historical figures in the curriculum. And I think it's going to spread throughout the United States. In the United Kingdom, it has been encoded into the education structure there for the entire country. So I think that as people become less ignorant about the differences among them, then they'll become more, not only more tolerant, but more embracing of difference. One of the great joys and benefits I had growing up in San Francisco is that on my block alone, there was a Greek family, an Italian family, a Nicaraguan family, a Chinese grocer, an Italian deli owner. And of that panoply of difference, we as a family learned about the customs and culture And once you learn about your neighbors who are LGBTQ, for example, it's pretty hard to put them in a negative box because they're just people. And as you embrace all of the difference around us, then I think you'll have a richer life and a more harmonious life. Absolutely. Without question, if we just pause to consider that, that really just resonates as logical. And then, you know, just to have that harmony, that peacefulness that exists, because we can be feeling accepting and not threatened, because certainly if we're attacking, we obviously are feeling threatened, and and that leads us to nowhere good. Well, and I think, as you know, the probably the worst thing you can do to someone is shun them. That's why in the Amish culture, when they have a person in their community who's violated the code, they literally turn their backs on that person and shun that person. And that is probably the worst thing you could do to anyone. So... There are people who say, oh, well, you know, I tolerate gay people, but they don't even really know them, and they don't even really bother to get to know them. And so I think when that happens, there is a feeling of isolation, and it leads to really dark places. So, for example, kids in America, teenagers who are LGBTQ, are four times as likely to attempt suicide as their straight peers. And if they're in a religiously condemning household at home, they are eight times as likely to attempt suicide. And that is just 
utterly heartbreaking. And we need to stop that, which is why I feel, getting back to the reason for our conversation, that I've been brought this book, Pride and Joy, LGBTQ Artists, Icons, and Everyday Heroes, this book helps us to have that insight, uh, grow that awareness. Um, I feel it, it really gives a lot of hope in so many different ways, Kathleen. Well, thank you. That's why I wrote the book, so that we could elevate the conversation and enhance the awareness of the fullness of the queer community the fullness of the lives of people who have been out and proud and very successful in their respective fields and have brought to the world a great deal of joy and light, and I want to do that myself. And the feeling is that all of that is present here. It permeates through the pages. And so for people to get their own copy, how should they go about doing that? So the book, Pride and Joy, LGBTQ Artists, Icons, and Everyday Heroes by Kathleen Archambault. And my website is www.kathleen, with a K, Archambault, com. They can link to Amazon. They can link to IndieBound for all the independent booksellers on my website and purchase the book. Or they can go to their local independent bookseller in Seattle or wherever they are and get a copy of the book. And we owe it to ourselves to do just that. Well, Kathleen Archambault, it's been really such a pleasure to have you join us this morning. I am so grateful for who you are and the work that you are doing. Thank you. Thank you, Kate Daniels, and thank you, Seattle. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Kathleen Archambault and Sunday Morning Magazine with Chris Edmonds. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the On Air tab, then the Podcast tab, and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day where you take time to talk about peace and justice in all its forms. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good November morning.